Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here and welcome to another episode of Scale Up. So today we're gonna get into the world of marketing yet again, but we're gonna talk about a very specific part of marketing. We're gonna be talking about affiliates and affiliate partnerships. Now, for those of you who have listened to me for some time, and I talk a lot about how you build a high value company, one of the things I touch on quite a lot is this idea of having multiple customer or client acquisition channels. So if you're going out there and trying to build your business and you've only got one channel that's working, it might be referrals or it might be paid advertising or maybe it's content marketing, posting on social media, then you don't really have a diversified business. And I look for at least four, if not five, different types of acquisition channels, ways that you are bringing in clients or customers to your business so that if I'm going to acquire your company, I know that you know there's no risk in any one channel either not performing or God forbid stopping. So affiliates and affiliate partnerships is one of the most powerful ways for you to grow and scale. In fact, in my, my days in private equity, we used to look at partnerships and joint ventures, creating these affiliates as a really, really clear and, and focused way of driving growth. Now, I get that some of you are hearing me talk about this and you know that I'm a fan of it as a strategy, but you're probably thinking, what is it? Well, today on the show, I have a world expert on affiliate marketing, Amber Spears, joining me to go through literally the nuts and bolts of this world. The best way to think of it, and I don't want to steal Amber's thunder here, but you know, if someone's gone out there and, and already built the audience that you want to get in front of, instead of you going out there trying to build that audience from scratch, doesn't it make sense to get in front of that audience and do a commercial partnership with the person who's built that audience so that you can grow and scale your business? Well, that is just one of the ways that we are going to talk about affiliates today. And we're also going to talk about not just how they impact the value of a business, but ways that you can start to incorporate affiliate marketing into your business. I get called in often to work with, with large companies. Um, a few different reasons. One, they'll call me in because they're scaling really nicely on their affiliate channels already and then they want to figure out why they're plateauing or what's going on with their team or maybe something's changed in the marketplace they need to be aware of and, and they just want to grow more. So they bring me in to help them. And lastly, we're going to touch on another one of Amber's uh, business pursuits, which is a mastermind that I spoke at uh, in Tampa last year, which is called the Four Rooms Mastermind, which is a a mastermind that's focused on entrepreneurship and business, but focuses a lot on affiliate marketing. So again, if that's something that you're interested in learning more about then, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show. There we have it, a big one today, an important one today, particularly if you're looking to grow and scale and using progressive marketing techniques. Welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Amber Spears. Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for another week. And you are in for a treat today, everybody, because I have a very good friend on the show. And not only that, we are going to cover a topic which I have been so keen to talk about, but just wanted to wait for the right moment to have this person on. My guest today is the amazing Amber Spears. Welcome, Amber. Thank you for having me. I am so excited <laughs> and I uh, just love doing anything with you, any any speaking, any connecting. So I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Awesome. And the topic, I kind of wanted to wait and build a bit of a drum roll, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, we're going to talk about affiliates. We're going to talk about affiliate marketing. 
And we're going to talk about that specifically in terms of how it scales your business, but also the question, does it actually add value to your business? Mm -hmm. And before we kind of get speaking about your expertise in this space, Amber, just some context. I, I think it's a missed opportunity that most business owners don't understand. I think mm. people, when they're going from startup to scale up, they focus more on traditional ways of building their business and acquiring customers. And they don't realize that it can be much quicker and more effective if you work with someone who already has your audience, you know, and you just simply have to get in front of them with the right offer, with the right intent to make it happen. So that's what we're going to cover today. So welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And I would also say that, uh, what's interesting about quote unquote affiliate marketing is I think it's one of probably the oldest forms of marketing that there is because, you know, you think about when, uh, you know, you know, let's just say business first started, you had a guy, right? You had a guy that unloaded your ships at the docks. You had a guy <laughs> yes. that lugged it from the docks and you had a guy who, you know, made your clothes, made your shoes. And that was like a referral based business, which I think largely this is what it is at the very core of it. It's a transfer of trust from one person to another or from one brand to another and I think that tale is probably as old as, as time when it comes to commerce. Yeah, I love that. I haven't thought of it that way, but I often say um, referenceability, right? Or this idea that you are edified by someone else yes. makes life so much easier. So you, you hear lots of people today talk about cold outreach, you know, the idea of like knocking on someone's door and interruption marketing and all that. And I used to tell a story a while back when I started the podcast, which is, you know, if I get invited around to your house and I don't know anyone else there at a dinner party, but you've invited me in, uh, just because you've invited me, there's a degree of, of association and trust that comes from that, which makes the conversation easier, everything significantly easier. And if you apply that to business, the same principles can also flow. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, that's the best way I think to get to who you want to get to is that trust transfer, somebody opening up the door for you. It's so much better than just a cold knock on the door with, with no endorsement. Indeed. Well, let's, let's hear a little bit of the story here, your backstory. Uh, how did you become an expert in affiliate marketing? Where did that start from? By complete accident. Uh, I think uh, I was the <laughs> first person in my family to graduate from college. First person to, to go. Okay, uh, on well. both sides. Um, yeah, and I got the Doran Scholarship. Uh, I got the McNair Scholarship and the McGuire Scholarship. First person ever in history to be all three. Um, what is that? And, For people who don't know exactly what that is, what is it? Yeah, so the Doran Scholarship is a family in Arizona uh, called the Doran's family. They are, are descendants of the family that created Campbell Soup, Prego, Pepperidge Farms, and they're okay. an incredibly generous family. I mean, they have a... A scholarship fund that is arguably even better than the Bill Gates Millennium Fund, which helps fund first generation low income college students through college fully funds them, um, pays for everything, dorms, books, trips abroad, everything. And so it's a very incredibly competitive scholarship. I ended up getting it. I was a first you know, generation low income college student, never been before. And uh, then while I was there, I ended up getting into the Ronald E. McNair uh, scholarship, which was the first black astronaut. They had a fund basically to support first generation low-income college students through college. So they had a campus there. Uh, and then I also got the into the Eller College of Business through Dorrance. So 
it was a, a really interesting time for me. I, I thought my whole life that I'd probably end up being like a hairdresser or a, a real estate agent like my mom. Really? And, is that, is that uh, because, uh, because, you know, you, you grew up with people who hadn't had that education. Yeah. And so you thought that that's where your, that was your path, right? Totally. I was, I remember being like, man, if I could just make $50,000 a year, I'd be wealthier than like anybody I know. And I just wasn't around people that, you know, went to school or did that kind of stuff or had those kind of kinds of conversations. So um, when I ended up going to college, I was like, wow, there's a whole world out here. And um, because I was a, a McGuire scholar, I'm actually fully funded to get either my PhD or master's degree paid for or any higher level ed education because I completed uh, college. And so I thought I'd be an attorney. I was like, oh, this is going to be my big thing. And um, while what, I was what there. What did you study when you were at college? Uh, political science. Because okay. I was homeschooled, I was never taught math really. So uh, the science-heavy degrees are never going <laughs> to. I know money math. That's what I know. Uh, That's the more. I mean, we could we could go on a massive tangent about education systems, but like that is, I'll just say that's the more valuable uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know money math, um, and I ended up studying. Uh, I was going to study for the LSAT. Met a bunch of attorneys. I uh, was working as a first employee at a company called Helix House. It was selling search engine optimization door to door. So okay. while I waited to study for my LSAT, I did that, and um, that's when I really cut my teeth. You know, selling business services door to door. So uh, literally, knocking, literally knocking on doors. Yeah, are, knocking. We, are, we, are we talking, is this in um, Arizona? Yeah. in the heat of the summer wearing wow. this blazer that I bought from Goodwill. Just <laughs> so you, oh, I mean, I often say though, the people who do that, like have, have, let's call it a horrible sales job. Right? Like <laughs> you learn a lot, right? Like a, you a learn lot. about people, right? You learn about rejection, right? Mm -hmm. You know, confidence builds from all of that. Incredible. Totally. That's where I learned the the watch, the shoes and the eyes technique, like coming into an office. I just knew like based on whoever, when the door would open, they'd see me getting ready to sell something. Whoever they'd swivel their head to, I knew was like the boss. He, he or she was going to tell me yes or no, just based on their head movement. And then once I was in there, like really taking a look at the whole office, looking at the watch, looking at the shoes, I started picking up very early on, like cues of like, who's in charge, who's affluent, who's not, what, what kinds of things to look for, what kinds of awards, accolades, like culture, how's the office sound? Is it busy? Kind of all of that. I picked up so much kind of working in person. Yeah. Wow. So how did, so, I mean, obviously um, SEO is a form of marketing, right? Yeah. Was that, was that then the trajectory or the, the journey, if you like, into marketing from that? You just progressed into different areas? Yeah, it was a good question. I actually, um, I ended up, I was employee number one, and then I helped them open up uh, three offices in two states. I became their VP of sales. And then I realized very quickly, I hated being a manager. I wanted to go back into sales and they didn't have a sales position for me. They're like, you can start again at the bottom. And I was like, what? Really? Because quite, yeah. often, quite often, if you're in sales, you get promoted to sales manager because you're good at sales. Yeah. And then the other thing that's super common is that exactly what you said, the person who's great at sales it. doesn't want to manage people, right? <laughs> yeah. And they want to go back. But it, it sounds ludicrous to me. Why would they take someone who's very good at it, clearly, and then put them back at the beginning? Like, You know, now I know because <laughs> they were actually going through divorce and oh, me okay, leaving right. meant that they would have to manage. And, and incidentally, my company, East Fifth Avenue, my business partner, and that was actually my boss then 15 years oh, ago. Right. So 
Okay. She, she was like, you're a rainmaker. We're going to keep doing it. But I left because I was like, I'm tired of being a sales manager. You're not going to let me do sales again. I answered a long form sales uh, email uh, applied for this guy named Craig Valentine at Early to Rise. And his whole thing was about oh, copywriting. Wow. He's going to teach me copywriting. And it's going to be like the thing that strokes my check for the future and blah, blah, blah. So I moved my whole life from Phoenix to Denver. Uh, started working there, uh, never been in cold before, never been in snow before. It was just like so shocking. And I realized very quickly, I'm like, I am not a copywriter because I like talking to people. You know, I didn't realize how much time I'd spend. So what like, was the actual role? Was it like a content marketer? Well, what we would call content marketing now where you were writing what I take it long form copy. Was, yes, that, was it that sales? Was, a, was it sales letters? That yes, type of stuff? Sales letters. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was learning how to write. And, uh, I was good at it. I'm a good writer, uh, but I did not enjoy it. So basically I was also burning through all the cash that I had saved. I was young, you know, this was like, this was like 12 years ago or something. So I, I like, I burned through all my cash and I was like, I, I need to do something else. And he was like, I have this thing called affiliate marketing. So we, we sell programs. You can be in charge of selling those programs. And uh, for that, you'll get a 10% cut of anything you sell. And I was like, easy. So I started working the phones, you know, I started calling all of our affiliates. And I just remember people were like, why are you calling me? Everyone else like Skypes me or emails me. And I was like, well, that's what I knew how to do, right? Yeah. I knew how to go to an event or work the phones. That's what I knew. And so ended up helping them have the most successful launch they'd ever had by like 4X um, and did all this stuff. And that's when I became to have a reputation that I was good at that. And then eventually I launched a company around it called East well, Fifth let's, Avenue. Let's, just, let's unpack this first before we go into the, the, the yeah. fact that you then moved in. So, cause I, I, I always find this interesting. So, you know, God forbid you, you called people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, there's a lesson right. here. Everyone Revolutionary. There's a lesson yeah. here, right? Like if you want to build trust, right. If you want to kind of yeah. get someone to like you, right. You've got to have a bit of personality as opposed to totally. a text message. Um, and, and interestingly, like, because because some people are just scared to do that, right? They're just scared to get right. on the phone because of rejection and everything else like that. Um, but that, as you said, just that it was successful, right? Do you, do you still yeah. find that that is a core tenant of of success? Is I mean, obviously, you, you want to build a connection with someone. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you know, how is it? Does it it's, does it still have to be like that, um, or can you can you still do that digitally? There's a point mm. where we have to meet, right? Isn't there? I mean, there has to right. just Playing, playing around with that. I agree with you. I mean, I I think, first of all, I'd say you can have success in any way. I gravitate towards in-person, belly to belly and over the phone. I haven't found anything that's better than that, but that could just be my personality. I think that in the world, especially after COVID, being in person became a luxury. And that's really what made us feel like, hey, you know what, it's better to be in person. I know it's not practical all the time, but I do think that I will run circles around somebody who's only going to spend time talking to a key prospect, you know, on Skype or through Zoom or whatever, because I'm going to be willing to get on a plane or, you know, do whatever. And I'm going to be willing to have that conversation in person. And there's just such a level of trust and energy that you can get from being around somebody. And also it will tell you so much more about them so quickly, like whether you want to be in business with them or not. I pick up those cues so much faster. I'd rather if I'm going to be in a business partnership or, or work with a client, I like spending, you know, a day or at least a dinner, a long dinner with them. So I can see how, you know, how they really are yeah, in I agree. person. And also, yeah. 
and also just get to know like what they really care about. Cause a lot of times they're not going to let their guard down and tell you that over a zoom meeting in between all their other zoom meetings. I think. No, well, you've also got another thing, which I think is interesting, um, which I call investing in the relationship. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that, cause yeah, I'm in the process of, um, bringing you, I'm building a whole new marketing team. I'm bringing in a new uh, marketing director. We mentioned that before we press record and, um, I'm in Detroit next week and this person lives up towards Minnesota and they've like said, Hey, listen, I'm, I'll jump on a plane two hour flight. I'll come and have dinner with you. And I kind of just like the fact that someone's prepared to do that. Like, cause yeah. it says to me, they're prepared to my point, invest in the relationship. If the relationship yeah. has the potential to be worth something. Right. And I oh. think it's, again, it's another lesson to people listening here uh, because I think not everyone and I'm old. Right. So I would say this, but, um, <laughs> People, people look to things to be more transactional and quick. And the idea is that that is easy, right? Right. When my view is actually, you've got to do the hard yards, right? You've got to sometimes make the effort and then it becomes easy, right? And then it becomes quick. <laughs> For sure. You know, it's, I'm what's known. I don't like this label, but I've been labeled this probably my entire career because I'm good at it. I've been labeled as like a connector, right? So people are like, oh, if you want to meet, you know, affiliates or these types of people go to Amber Shoal, you know, she's a connector, she'll, she'll do it for you. But, you know, the reality is, is that I have spent years and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars of my time flying all over the country, all over the world to train or work with clients to build this, this trust relationship over many years. And so when I fire off an email for you in quotations, right, it looks very simple to you because you're like, oh, you just gave me an introduction. Well, I spent years cultivating. So I know what they care about. I know that this deal is going to close. I talked to them myself. I've already prepared. I've, I've done all the things to make this an easy, effortless, seamless thing for you based on the back of my trust that I've built with these people over time. And that's why it's just so important. I think one, um, to understand the true dynamics happening underneath of what you can see, because there's a lot. And then two, also understanding that this is not just something that happens magically. It's a withdrawal from someone's goodwill bank account that they have built, yeah. right? Well, it's the same thing that happens. I get this quite a lot. People will message me and the, the topic, if you like, or the, the framing is pick your brain, right? Mm, and, that. and I have that sounds this, like it hurt. Well, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. you, know what, you, know, you know what I find painful? I find painful the fact that actually I wanted to help them, but then yeah. I also realized that saying yes to all those things is a no to something else. Mm. And to your point, right? Like it's taking you years to build up your reputation, right? Yeah. And network and all the things that I know that you've got. And, and, you know, I've, I've, I've seen is really incredible. Um, and then I look at kind of, if someone wants to pick my brain for 30 minutes, they're also leveraging 25 years of, some big business deals, big conversations, you know, sitting in boardrooms where, you know, it's, it's more than an MBA class. Right. And right. again, I think it's an important thing that if, if you, if you ask for anything from anyone, uh, you have to appreciate the fact that it is a, it's a big ask. It's not just yeah. a small thing that someone's doing. And I, I, I'm always, I just want to raise it here because I'm very conscious of it all the time in my interactions as well. I also think you hit on something kind of hidden throughout there too, which is uh, jumping the front of the line, which I think is like a really interesting thing. Of mm, course you want like your kids, your partner, right? You want everyone you love to jump the line because they're with you and you put in the time 
But I really have seen when I introduce people to earlier without them paying for the time, it's not just like paying for my time or paying for my contacts time. It's a matter of showing respect and that investment usually that you do makes you take their time much more seriously. I've noticed when you yeah. start to kind of give it, you're allowing them to jump the line at a time where they may not be ready or fully understand the impact of the room they're in or the contact that they have or the questions that they're asking. So when you have that monetary exchange, at least you have the certainty that if they're going to pay for it, they're going to pay attention and they're going to use it, which is what I think you want the end result to be. If you want to help them, it's not just paying for your time. It's like, I know that this person is not yet experienced enough to be sitting in the rooms that I've sat in and had the conversations that I've had, but I know that they're serious enough about themselves and investing into themselves that they're going to do it. And that's going to make me really feel even more comfortable giving my all because I have seen my instinct is to help people jump the line. And what I've seen from that is sometimes it's not always in their best interest to do that. No, indeed. And it's interesting. I've started doing this thing recently <clears throat> to, to mitigate my point beforehand, where if someone wants to do a 15 minute call to ask a question, and I'll, I'll get people kind of like, ask me like, you know, I want to get into mergers and acquisitions or private equity. I'm not sure if I should buy a business or start a business or whatever else. Can I kind of pick your brain? And years ago, I used to jump on calls when I first started the podcast because I thought, you know, I didn't know what I was doing really. And I kind of wanted to help people. Um, but now I, um, I charge a small fee, right, for that 15 minute call. But then I give that fee to charity. And I, I actually, and I, but I actually put it out there like that. I say, because it's, it's only like a few hundred quid, right? But, but the idea is it's enough for you to take the call seriously. It's enough right. for you to show up. And quite frankly, if, if you're not, comfortable, you know, a few hundred quid going to charity, but you're going to get value from 25, whatever years of experience, okay. then you've got a few other issues to deal with in terms of your mindset and confidence in investing in yourself. But uh -huh. I found that's a really nice way of being able to do something to help people. But at the same time, to your point, there's a value exchange, there's money, but it's, it's not the money. It's the fact that someone's committed enough to, to, to do that in that way. I love that. I'm going to absolutely, uh, if I can, gift this idea to myself. You may. <laughs> and you may. Well, we, you. We, 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 we're on the trust tree together. Um, <laughs> what I want to do, because I want to, I mean, that's that background. I mean, I love the, the fact that you came from a sales background and all that. What, what I want to do is is go to basics a little bit here, right? Cool. And, and define affiliate marketing. And then I think we should just riff backwards and forwards a little bit about the value of it right? Um, in right. terms of what it is, how it helps businesses, and then we can talk into how that helps with exiting as well. So in your definition, what is affiliate marketing for everyone? Yeah, I think that's such a good question. Um, you know, I would, I would say it's similar to what I said at the beginning, where it's a transfer of trust between individuals or, or brands. I work with companies. So I help companies increase their reach and their revenue. I'm not going to be someone who teaches you as an individual how to become an affiliate for example, right. for some of your favorite brands. So that's what I've always worked in in my career is like that premium B2B side. And what I would say is first it's important to get clarity on what it is that we're talking about. Because I speak on stages all over the world, you know, affiliate summit, um, you know, traffic conversion, et cetera. And I think that's the one thing I picked up after talking in all these rooms to all these clients is, is just how important it is to get clear. So that's what I like to do first is say, when you're talking about affiliate marketing, what you're basically saying is, Let's say affiliate is a catch-all umbrella, right? Yeah. So affiliate is the general term. Underneath that, I would consider three types of affiliates that your business can have or work with. 
One is going to be the traditional types of affiliates. So that's a brand to a brand, right? Like Nike partnered with the brand Supreme and created a whole new collaboration. That's a brand to brand. I suppose like, there was that's also the, Nike and Apple Watch was the one. That exactly. I, yeah. So they had like a special exactly. version of the Apple Watch. Yeah. Exactly. They also have something, I believe it's like if you buy an Ashton Martin, they were having a deal where you get Louis Vuitton bags, right? So that actually is an affiliate partnership. It's a brand to brand partnership. And, and I like to think of the word partnership when I say affiliates, just because to me as an entrepreneur, it feels really good to know that I have a network of other founders that are invested in my success. They believe that what I do, what I teach is valuable. They send their clients and teams to me and then vice versa. I do the same for them. So I have a, a customer acquisition channel that's completely outside of Facebook or or any sort of traditional native uh, kind of like paid, uh, sorry, traditional paid media strategies, right? So it's not based on algorithm. Yeah. Things that I'm doing are based on a relationship. Now, when you're looking at kind of traditional affiliates underneath that's brand to band, like we just mentioned, it's like listicles, right? Uh, the best of for Christmas, kind of all that stuff. Oh, okay. uh, I'm just going to play around with these. So listicle. So yeah. like when you, when you see, um, I don't know, someone's got a, a, a website and they talk about, you know, the, the cause I'm into running, right? So the, the best yeah. 10 trail shoes for 2024. Yes, <laughs> right? yes. So. exactly. That's a listicle. Okay. Got it. And then yes. there's links to all of those. I click on those yes. links. And if I buy that from Amazon or wherever it is, uh, then that person will be paid a percentage. A percentage. Okay, got it. Or a flat fee called well, my, CPA. This, is, right? this kind of bridges a little bit into my wife's business, just to kind of segue, because we we have a travel business and we focus on family travel, but we have affiliate uh, agreements with sort of booking.com, other sort of hotel oh. chains, airlines. And our biggest affiliate deal is with Amazon, right? And the way it works is if someone reads a review of anything that we do, it could be a, a, a pusher or... Um, you know, how do you fly with baby milk type of stuff, whatever. And we've got different products <laughs> there. Yeah, it is. A, it is actually a good question. It's a very popular post, particularly if you've got a, you know, a kid that's under one. Um, but anyway, like when they go to Amazon for a period of time, whatever they buy, we get a percentage of, and, and we've had some big numbers come through where they'll go and buy TVs on Amazon after they've come from our site, which has got nothing to do with TVs. And then we- so great. But that's, but that's an example to some extent of this, isn't it? Like we totally. do lists, we do content and the content exactly. is linked to a retailer or brand and we make money from the introduction, so to speak. Exactly. So that would be considered under the traditional kind of affiliate umbrella, which is also like networks, right? There's networks okay. like Commission Junkie or Share a Sale or ClickBank or DigiStore, right? Those are all networks. SEO, uh, content bloggers, mommy bloggers, kind of all that. So that's the thing. They're doing research. Like you're not... Typically, and it has been bastardized, but typically you're not going to be writing a listicle just for the money. You're spending time trying out the products. You're saying what works for you, right? And, and then you're getting compensated for that as creating marketing materials for that brand. So that's that's basically type one that falls underneath that category. Type two is the emergence and the rise of influencers slash creators. I know a lot of influencers don't like to be called that anymore. They want to be called creators, right? Yeah. So just keep that in mind when you're talking to them in particular. And well, that's, how what they call, that's what they call it on Instagram these days. They're, they've got creator profiles. So we'll, we'll stick with exactly. that as a definition. Yes, got it. so we'll talk to creators underneath that. 
Um, and that's because they are creating content for you, right? They're creating ads or creating videos or creating content. They're putting you in the recipe books, whatever they're doing is they're creating content and giving it to their audience. And then the last category is the ambassador category, which is typically uh, raving fans that have used your products and your services. The difference between the, the, the three that I just mentioned is category one, which is traditional affiliates and category two, which is creators, they have an audience. Right. So you're going to be getting in front of their audience on category three, which is your ambassadors, people who bought your programs and services and rave about them to their family and friends. They have influence over their family and friends. But they typically don't have an audience or right. a so they've got a so, network, but the network is you could argue con constrained a little bit because they have exactly. a personal brand or they haven't got anything yeah. else. OK, got it. Right. They don't know how to do marketing. You're teaching them how to market. Right. It's very different than when you're working with an influencer who already knows how to market or a brand that already knows how to market. They have a big email list, right? They have thousands of customers, that kind of stuff. So I think first and foremost, when you're thinking about how do I add, I would say first, do you want to add this in as a channel of customer acquisition into your business, right? Mm. That would be thing number one. Go ahead. No, I was, well, the question that pops into my mind a little bit here is the difference between a referral and mm. an affiliate partnership because what i'm hearing and again you know just trying to simplify it for everyone as well is that yeah. if i refer something someone to you and we have an agreement that i have a 10 percent referral fee or whatever else mm -hmm. is that an affiliate agreement yes. or is that so because a lot of people who listen to this podcast right they'll, they'll come to me and go uh i don't know how to scale my business because all i my, the only way that i get customers right now is referrals what you mm. could argue is that they actually have an affiliate program in place. It's just not totally. structured. It's just not systemized. Exactly. It certainly isn't automated. So therefore exactly. it's not predictable. Oh my God. You literally are teaching what I teach on stage. Yes. Really? That's exactly. Okay, it, it literally, <laughs> I love that. No, I love that. Cause you know what? I respect you and admire you so much. If you're saying that, that means I'm on the right track. Right. So like to me, that's, it gives me feedback that I'm teaching the right stuff. Right? Cause that's, that's what I come in with the company and do is first I say, here's the different types of brands that you can partner with or the types of people, right? If they're ambassadors, here's, here's, let's, let's paint a vision of, of, of who we're going after first, because they need different things, right? Like your networks and your traditional SEO affiliates, they need different things than your creators and your influencers really quick kind of thing. For example, if you're working with an influencer or creator, a lot of times they're going to want a discount code, right? Okay. It's like, hey, for my fans, my friends, you know, any followers of mine, go ahead and try this thing that Amber has because you're a fan of mine, you get 10% off. A lot of the tracking that's available right now for affiliates doesn't even have the ability to do a discount code, right? So you just kind of need to know who you're kind of working with. Um, and then the next level is what kind of program are you building? Is it structurally sound? Because you have to understand your affiliates are your all commission salespeople for the most part. Right. Yeah. That's a nice so, way of putting it too. Cause yeah, cause they're getting yeah. paid on uh, at the back end. So there's no exactly. front end really for you, which is great. Right. So the very different exactly. from a paid ad where you have to put all the risk up front to get a return here, 100%. it's a back end thing. I like it. So if you're a smaller business and you haven't got any investment, uh, then this mm -hmm. is a great way of starting to, I suppose, get product market fit and prove that you've got something. Totally. And you have time, right? I think that's the other thing is if you don't have a lot of money, you usually have time. So you can start yeah. calling, people setting up deals, what I would be thinking about is who is your your ideal client avatar and what other products and services do they use that you can recommend, right? And that's really easy way to start kind of building out who is your 
I like to think of like power of eight. If you're just getting started with this, like who are the eight companies or brands that if they promoted you because you serve a very similar avatar would make a huge difference in your business. Yes. Yeah, so and my, thinking in, through that. In my world, because obviously I'm helping people scale and exit, um, there's a very rich vein into wealth managers. Mm -hmm. um, because totally. of obvious, obvious reasons, there's a there's an interest there that if their clients sell their business, then the funds that come from that are going to get invested with those entities. So they mm -hmm. have, um, they're very much motivated to work in that way. But um, yeah, I don't, I'd also think like corporate attorneys, estate yep. planning, CPAs, like, you know, any, anything yeah. like that, where there's, there's, you know, where, where they're talking to business owners as well. And actually CPAs is a good one because there's quite a lot of trust that's built mm -hmm. in that because, you know, usually you've been working with your CPA for your business for years and then to be introduced or edified you know, a, a, the CPAs don't do that lightly because they, their reputation is important, but if they do, then it's, it's obviously, um, it works, right. Because you don't have to build that trust because it's that edification. Um, the other one I like is a sneaky little one is merchant processing. Oh, really? I love a merchant processor. Why? Because who's seeing the amount of volume that they're doing for real and is seeing oh, yeah, who's okay, growing nice. month after month after month, right? Like those guys are going to know. Yeah, that's a good He's one. really growing. I've got some yeah. good connections there too. Um, I want to, <laughs> I want to segue slightly into, um, so we know what it is, right? We've, yep. we've defined it well. Okay. Um, in terms of, does it add value? We, we touched on yep. this a little bit before we press record. So I think we should go into this. Um, my view is that if you want to build a valuable business, you have to have multiple customer acquisition channels in place. The minimum that I always advise is four. Hmm. Okay. Why four? Don't know. That's what I was taught in the private equity days, but I think <laughs> everything's about de-risking, right? So, mm -hmm. so what could that look like? Well, you could have paid ads as one customer acquisition strategy. You could have content marketing and leveraging social media as another, you could have a very well-defined referral program, which is similar to what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. uh, partnerships, joint ventures, affiliates. So, because Amber asked the question before we press record, you know, does having this in a business add value? And my answer to that is unequivocally yes, as long as it's diversified with other customer acquisition channels. And mm -hmm. I'd go as far as to say, if you don't have a strategy that is partnership related, uh, you're missing a huge opportunity in terms of the value and the scale that you can build in your business. So I saved that. So I, didn't, I didn't answer your question properly when you asked it. So I thought I'd put it into the, into the podcast, but does that resonate with what you've heard previously or have you heard different things? Well, I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear right now because I love to hear from the actual mouth of someone who does this for a living, right? Uh, at a very high scale. So uh, I get, I get called in often to work with, with large companies um, for a few different reasons. One that they'll call me in because they're scaling really nicely on their affiliate channels already and they want to figure out why they're plateauing or what's going on with their team or maybe something's changed in the marketplace they need to be aware of and, and they just want to grow more so they bring me in to help that the other side is companies that have never done affiliate marketing before but they are great on other customer acquisition channels either offline or online already and they want to figure out if affiliate marketing is the right path for them those are the companies I find really interesting because they, a lot of them are wanting to sell or they, they're wanting to do a raise, for example, and they have all been so certain mm -hmm. that adding in affiliate marketing is actually a detriment to a sale. 
And I keep asking them, like, why is that? And the answer that I get is, well, they don't want us to be dependent on other businesses to acquire customers. And my answer is always like, well, aren't you dependent on Facebook right now? This is right. This is where people get it wrong, right? Yeah. hundred percent right. Because, you know, the, the key here, and I kind of touched on this is diversification, right? Right. So, you know, if, if, if all of, if a hundred percent of your customer acquisition is coming from Facebook ads, and then, you know, Problem. this thing, if you, did you hear this thing a few years ago called the Google slap? Did you ever hear of that? Mm -hmm. Yes. So when Google decided they were going to change all of their targeting to go for different types of audiences. So the whole model of buying, um, Google AdWords or whatever it was called changed and businesses went dead overnight. So, so if you're reliant on any one channel, right you're screwed. Hence the reason why that, that four is a minimum is the thing. So, so I'm really clear on this. You can absolutely have a massive affiliate um, strategy, but again, if 80%, you know, or even more is coming from one affiliate deal or two affiliate deals, and they could go, if you try and sell your company and it's called quality of earnings analysis in my world through due diligence, if someone comes in and sees the risk of one of those things going away, then a you probably won't sell your business b if you do sell your business you'll be at a lower multiple mm. okay so that's where it is and i got a question for you just kind of on that vein um one of the uh things that i noticed that some of my clients have been doing is uh coming to hire me and saying okay we we are doing an exit or, or we want to do a raise we want to add this in but we want to change the structure of the program retroactively because we think it'll be more attractive to investors and while I have you here I'd be curious is like a lifetime commission structure to a third party like affiliate do you view that as a problem because that was the big thing that I was seeing there's a company in the space very well known in the AI space came and worked with me they had grown a ton because they had a very attractive model for affiliates which is basically like 30 percent lifetime we'll never change it everybody else is offering you know 24 months at 30% mm -hmm. or they're offering 10% lifetime, we're going to offer 30 and it allowed them to grow really quickly. But then they came to me and they're like, we want to change it because we feel like venture capitalists are not going to want to buy this. They're going to look at it as inherently risky. And so that's a, an interesting question. Well, I've never right. had an opportunity they to ask. Right. Yeah. So I'd love to hear from you why you think that. That's yeah. And it's the, the, the key word that you reference there is lifetime. Right. So, I, I, when I, whenever I talk about exiting, I talk about, you know, when you exit your company, uh, sell to someone else, it's, it might be the end of the road for you with that company, right? So you can go live on your Island and drink pina coladas or whatever, <laughs> but it's not the end of the road of the business and the business right. has transferred to a new owner and you never want to set up anything that's difficult for the new owner to change. If for whatever reason, they don't want to do it. Right. So again, everything's about risk. So let's imagine that I have this amazing affiliate deal. It's 30% off for life. And again, a large percentage, let's say 80% of my customer base or whatever that is, is on that deal. Mm -hmm. And I go, I'm giving away too much value and I want to get rid of that deal. And I change it to 15% or I get rid of it altogether um, or don't make it lifetime anymore, whatever else. A, there's a massive risk that you're going to lose a lot of your customers, which is going to devalue mm -hmm. the company. Um, and B, you're actually damaging your brand because if you've made a promise like lifetime right. and then you say, oh, you know what? We didn't really mean lifetime. Oh, and it was the old guy who said that and I'm the new guy. The customer doesn't care. Right. 
right? So th that's the issue. Anytime the bottom line of it is this, anytime that you are over um, reliant on any one thing bad, anytime that you make a decision that you can't reverse from because you've made it so watertight or onerous or whatever it is bad, because all of mm -hmm. those things reduce flexibility and create risk for someone who would acquire you. And then people are just not going to like that because they don't want to have that restriction in terms of the right. asset they're acquiring. That's, that's really helpful to hear from you. So um, thank you. I, right. probably, no. I, I love chatting with I you. I think it's important, you. It's important yeah. for everyone listening because, you know, I said at the beginning and the reason I wanted to have you on is because this is an important topic and I don't think people are understanding it enough. And when I teach, uh, you know, any scaling program, we, we will look at everything from the proposition, the offer all the way through to their, what we call their organic growth strategy, which is generally their marketing activity. But under strategic growth is where I cover partnerships, joint ventures, affiliates, and scaling via M&A. And so most business owners just focus on organic growth. They don't really delve into this, this more strategic. It feels harder, right, for some reason, mm -hmm. even though it's not. But um, I'd like to impress on people that they should be doing more of this. And even if they just have to introduce a couple of tests or experiments mm -hmm. just to show how much quicker you can scale through this activity, I think it would... Um, change a lot of business owners perspectives on how they're growing their companies. I, I love that you said that because I think a really easy test that you can do that I tell everyone is like, hey, how much are you paying Facebook right now to acquire a customer? Okay. Let's say it's $57. So you're paying Zuckerberg and a faces algorithm $57, but then you want to come and launch an affiliate program and you say, yeah, it does cost us $57 required on Facebook, but we only want to pay our affiliates 10% of our $50 product. It's like, okay, that's not going to work for an all commission sales team. Why don't you just go to people and say, Hey, we're paying Facebook $57. We have all the, you know, the winning ads. It's not going to be a perfect transfer, right? Cause you're transferring from cold traffic kind of could be top of funnel to kind of warm traffic, warm endorsement, but you have numbers and you have something that works. Why don't you go to your affiliate partner and say, well, we will to pay $57 for any customer that you acquire immediately you're paying a human being, you're getting off the algorithm, you have some of the assets, you're giving them a fair shake, right? You're giving them as much as it would take on, on Facebook for you to spend and, and spend time, money, energy, effort, like focusing that pixel too, right? Yeah. So this is oh, after yeah, you spent way more than that trying to acquire them till you got to that point. And so I just think that's a really easy rule of thumb to do that. You need the existing assets that you have and you need a good tracking system, right? Like if you're like on click funnels, it's not going to work. You're going to need something that's like legitimate for tracking for affiliate tracking, but they're you not need, that expensive. Cause I use, um, can a, a, a more progressive CRM do that? Or are you talking about different software that would integrate with a CRM? Some of them work. Like for example, let's say you have Infusionsoft. Infusionsoft has a capability to do affiliate tracking, right? So what you want is, you want them to not have to rely on you and your team to get data. You want them to have their own login to track how many clicks, how many sales, et cetera. And not every platform will have that technical ability to do that, that you're on. But a lot of them do. Entreport can do it. Infusionsoft can do it. And you want to provide it. the assets and everything else. So it's just Absolutely. super easy. So, ooh, so the whole idea here, right, I suppose in summary of, of this for everyone here is if someone and, and I do believe this massively, if someone has the audience and, and to what you said beforehand, there's a lot of time that's gone into building that audience, right? right? Never take that for granted. And they're the ideal person for your product or service. 
it is, in my opinion, much, much easier to be able to go and build a relationship, you know, through a commercial relationship through that network than it is in many cases to go out there and, and maybe build a whole new profile through ads. Now, what I would say is ads is quicker, right? Like, you know, you can uh -huh. turn it on, turn it off, but there's more risk generally up front. There's more experimentation. You have to have a certain amount of war chest to make it work. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas if you build some strong affiliate relationships, like we're talking about here, uh, they can be ongoing. You know, they can be ongoing things and they can, they can continue to pay back as well. Plus, you know, on either of those things, you can start to build your own kind of list and then you can leverage that and you can become an affiliate as well um, and have another revenue stream coming into your business. A hundred percent. I love it when I see my clients also become affiliates. And I also think, you know, for even like something like, like the amazing program you're putting together, like going to people that have a similar audience to you, like you can even talk about some of these wealth advisors that you're working with probably have thousands of clients doing something like a webinar with them, right? Mm. Where you're teaching them things and you guys are co-sharing that leads list, right? How much would you have paid Facebook to get one of those people to opt in for your ebook? Wow. A the, lot the, um, more, right? I mentioned um, I'm doing a collaboration with Justin Donald from Lifestyle Investor. Interestingly, we're, we're doing a, we actually, we're actually sort of interviewing each other on each, each other's podcasts back to back. So I, sh I share this with everyone listening here. So, so he's got an audience of people who are absolutely right for the stuff that we educate people on, exiting companies, scaling. Uh, equally, like when we have people who exit their companies, you know, he teaches them how to invest that money. But the way that we're collaborating is I'll interview him for an hour about what he's doing and talking about high level investment. He'll interview me about scaling and exiting, and then we'll collaborate uh, on our audiences. So if I've got people who kind of want to learn from him or vice versa, then we can set up a partnership around that. So that's, that's a live example for anyone listening about how I'm doing it. And there's many more examples of that. Um, but for me, it's just one of the ways that high value exit our company um, goes out there and, and, and works with people also tries to help them because we want to be able to get into those networks where we can add the most value. I just want to dig in there for a couple uh, on a couple of things that you said, this thing is so powerful as one, this is how I've been seeing so many creators grow their status, right? It was like Huberman getting on, you know, the Lex Friedman podcast, getting on the Joe Rogan podcast. Like they're they're doing podcast circuits with people that they believe in, right? That have similar audiences. What you're doing here is similar, but you're way more niche and way more practical where you're thinking like, okay, this guy serves my target audience at this level in their career, right? After they've, they've had an exit. And so if you went out and found seven more people like that, right? So when I talked about power of eight, it's actually right, something yeah. I got from JJ Virgin. She taught me, oh, she's cool. my mentor. We met at her house. We did, yeah, um, in Tampa. Yeah. I remember that she had the, yeah. nice, the nice, great food, good company, yeah. nice pool, beautiful weather. Exactly, amazing <laughs> person. Um, she actually shared this with me. She's mentored me for about 10 years. And um, she came up at the same time as like Brendan Bouchard, Gabby Bernstein, Marie Forleo, Mark Hyman. They were yep. all in this thing called Power of Eight, which is essentially Brendan Bouchard's idea where he said, hey, seven other people that all serve the same avatar. If you're trying to get, you know, mindset fit, you're probably also going to want to get physically fit. So we'll send you to JJ. If you're also trying to get physically fit, you probably need labs and nutrition and all of that. So we're going to send you to Mark, right? So they basically spent a year all supporting each other. Hey, if I get invited on a podcast, we're going to invite the other seven, recommend the other seven. If one person's doing a live event, we're all going to come, right? Like we're just going to support each other. And they grew exponentially that way. 
And I see that happening on these pod circuits. I see it happening on newsletters. Why? Because it works. Like you're all covering different things for a similar target avatar. So you could do this with, you know, six other people on top of Justin that you feel like are high level, you know, will take care of your people like at the level that you expect and that offer something ancillary to you. And that's where I think people kind of mess up. It's like, you know, if I'm wanting to sell my business or, have money after selling it and I want to know where I put it, I'm going to keep looking until I find probably the best marketer, not necessarily the best at what they do. So yeah. you going out and finding those people that you believe in, that you know are, are operating at the highest level of their game and you referring them and having that relationship back and forth just means that you're taking better care of your people. Yeah, it's a cur it's a curation kind of thing here where it comes back to what we said beforehand. I, you know, you or I have invested the time um, on those relationships to evaluate the ones who are real and who are not right. And, yeah. and if, if you've built trust with your audience, with your customers, et cetera, like in this situation, my listeners, right. Um, I'm very intentional about the people that I would edify, right. To work with yeah. and if people reach out to me, they do, they reach out and say, oh, I want someone who can come in and be a fractional CFO or whatever else. Uh, there's only a, there's only really one company that I would refer someone to because I know the person very well. We've spent a lot of time together. Um, he's done work with other clients of mine and it's been very, very good. So, so I think there's, that's another thing for people listening to here is this is, this, this is more than just, and I think the key thing to sort of, I suppose, summarize here is this is not transactional stuff, even though sometimes people think of it that way because they think of it as, well, there's a lead that's come from a referral and then we do a deal and it's done. When you get this working, you can actually build this into a system, right? Mm -hmm. And it can become actually a way that you can be the, the main way that you, you think about um, growing your business. hundred percent. That's why one of my favorite ways it's, it's not as scalable as you mentioned, because I can't reach every corner of the globe because I have a credit card and a spending limit and all that. Right. But on average, your uh, that trust transfer means that your conversion rate is much better. It's going to be typically much better than it is on Facebook, just going cold. And also the lifetime value is usually better as well because of that warm trust transfer. They're more willing to say, hey, I trust Nick. He said this guy's good, right? This guy has a system that takes three to six months to like start bearing fruit. Instead of me getting antsy month one, month two, I'm going to stick to the program and I'm going to do what they're saying because Nick said, this is the way, right? So I think that's also something to consider as you start to look at maybe adding this into your business is those metrics also really matter. It's not just, mm. you know, the, the upfront customer acquisition, it's that they spend more usually and stay on longer and convert much faster and at a much higher rate than just cold. What increases one of the key metrics we look at in private equity, which is um, things like repeat purchase and lifetime value. So it mm -hmm. starts to build those things out. Um, awesome. Well, li listen, to wrap, to wrap up today, I kind of want to just talk about a couple of other things, but just to say on the affiliate marketing side, this has been great. Anyone listening to this, I hope you've, you've got a bit of a masterclass here on a, how to do this properly without, you know, thinking of it in a, in a kind of just linear way, right. Or a simplistic way, there's more to this. So I, I if anything, I'd like people to have their curiosity peaked and they're mm -hmm. now thinking, what, how do I, how do I understand that? So we'll definitely talk about kind of how you can help in that in a second. But um, I just want to say that we met through various connections, but um, I managed to speak at one of your events, didn't I, in Tampa last I year. It. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. It was an M&A focused event. But the other thing that um, Amber has is an amazing community, an amazing mastermind 
um, that is awesome for, for online businesses predominantly, but really for all business owners. But most businesses have to have some online area to it. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about um, Four Rooms? Yeah, I'd love to. And by the way, thank you for coming because you have been such a highlight. And uh, it was our highest rated if I told you, but it was our highest rated event that we did last really? year. It's an interesting yeah. topic, m and I think people are kind of, um, it, it's got a mystere, if that's a word. Totally. Them. And so yours really glad. interesting. Nick, since, since we met and you, and you spoke at my event, I have seen a transformation inside of my group. I was at Affiliate Summit just last week and uh, met up with several of the people that actually came to the event. And one of the things that they were sharing with me, and we're all feeling this way, like, for example, my partner yesterday made an offer to a company to do a merger. Oh, like, wow. she's like, this all came from this conversation watching Nick, right? Um, uh, my friend, Michael Costanza, who, who you may have met at the event, um, he's actually right now in the process of, of unfurling this huge campaign for his business because they're going to start preparing it to sell. Like, the, the things that have happened since we had that intensive have been transformative. We're all thinking bigger. And it was a really big swing to add that into the kind of the content knowledge base for the year. But we got a 9.6 NPS score, which oh, wow. is like insane, right? Chick-fil-A has like a six, which is like amazing. That's great. Obviously, uh, that's awesome. I, I didn't hear this. I, did, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was amazing. And our highest rating speaker of the day, obviously, but it was just really cool because you have made such an impact already in my community in such a short amount of time, such an impact on me. We're like, I'm looking at how I can, you know, prepare one of my companies to sell. And I know very clearly, like, it's not ready yet. And here's why, because, you know, we are a company built primarily off of referrals, yep, right? Okay, there you go. That diversification <laughs> right there. I'm like, okay, that's why we're flipping on, you know, these different modalities and doing these different things. And uh, just really have made such an impact on us already. So I just want to say thank you. And, um, and I think it's really interesting too for our community. So my mastermind's actually been around for seven years. It started with my former business partner. We called it Mimosa Mastermind. And when I made the decision to buy him out um, in 2020, or sorry, 2022, one of the things that kept coming up for me was that I had changed so much as an entrepreneur. And my, the current name and branding did not reflect that. And so four rooms it comes from an Indian proverb that I read when I was really sick. I ended up meeting a hysterectomy when I was 28 years old. And wow. all I wanted to do was have my own children. It's been, it was just a brutal dynamic for me. It was so ill. Big part of that was I was on every plane, train, automobile you can imagine, you know, building my career, sacrificing my body and the altar of success. And, uh, you know, so young to have all those health issues. And I ended up coming across this proverb that talks about the four rooms within us. We have an emotional, a physical, a mental, and a spiritual room and how important it is to go into every room with regularity or these rooms atrophy and die. And I knew that I had not spent any time in my spiritual room whatsoever or my physical room. I was not taking care of myself. And so yeah. I made it a goal of mine to go into every room with regularity, change my life. And so when I decided to rebrand as four rooms, I said, let's keep the core tenets of what made this mastermind work, which is we crowdsource all main stage speakers. They're not up there because they paid me money to be there. They're up there because our group said that this is who they want to learn from. These are the topics they want to learn from. We handpick where everyone is sitting twice at the events. So I make sure that I put some of the responsibility of ROI on my shoulders where I'm connecting you with people you need to meet. 
And then we're going to take everything else and we're going to throw it out. All the branding, you know, all the, all the stuff that, that was before, it's now going to be about health, wealth, scale relationships, the four rooms that I believe are most important for an entrepreneur. And so, yes, it is for companies that are all primarily online, but it's also for entrepreneurs that, you know, are, are wanting something more from a community where it's not just transaction, where there is an element of transformation, where you have a true community, a sisterhood, a brotherhood, where you're looking around and you're saying, yes, we have the best in class content. I think that it has to make financial sense. Yes, we have help implementing that content, but we also have a very highly curated group of individuals that are, are holding ourselves and each other to, to a level of accountability and integrity that I just don't see in a lot of other groups. And we have conversations around like, you know, in this last year, <clears throat> I had two members that had suicidal ideations. One checked themselves into um, a, a voluntary hold. We had two uh, people in our mastermind, one who lost their mother, the other one who had to put their mother in a hospice care after, you know, taking care of her mother for 20 years, right? So we've had real things happen. One member on the brink of divorce, and being able to help facilitate those conversations and to now have a training that we're going to be doing this year from the woman who put her mom in hospice care, which is like, hey, just so you know, I learned a lot about having an aging parent. And I'd like to share this with you in this community because it affected me greatly in my family and my ability to work. And like, thank God that I made a lot of money because I didn't realize how many millions of dollars worth of mistakes I'd make in her care for long-term care. So like those are types of conversations that we're having on top of exiting your business, scaling mm, it, wow. what paid ads are working, right? These I are didn't like, realize it was the the breadth of that because obviously I was involved more in the um, M&A. Very technical, yeah. Yeah, it was. It, totally. it was it, and and your, main, your main event is in Austin, is that correct? It was in Austin last year, yeah. Is it, always, year is it always in Austin or do you move, you move it around? We move it around. We like to okay. stay busy. We like to see new things and experience new places together. So where's, I mean, where's the, where's the main event this year? So it'll be in November. We know it's November 15th to the 18th. I booked the Waldorf Astoria Cancun. Oh, I nice. still need to walk it because I'm a big walker. I'm also walking uh, Mexico City and a couple other really cool venues here in the U.S. before I make my final decision. But for now, the dates are going to be the same. The venue could change. Um, just cause yeah. I'm, I'm very picky, particular about, about, well, I saw that from, uh, from the event we had in Tampa, but if anyone's <laughs> listening to this and they want to, um, you know, join that mastermind or come to the events, how do they do that? Amber? Yeah. So if they want, I would be honored. Uh, it's a four rooms, mastermind.com. You can, uh, contact us there or sign up for the email list or, um, you know, it's application only, but it's for oh. seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs. I think our sweet spot is multi-eight in there. Um, that's kind of what the vast majority of people are in there. And again, all sell something online. There's some retail, but that's my mastermind company that's open to good heart centered, but ambitious entrepreneurs, right? Oh. We got to have both. Um, and then so no, no tyrants. This is not a tyrant mastermind. <laughs> no, you've got to, you've got to no have a tyrant. good, you've got to have good values <laughs> to get in. <laughs> exactly. Got and be a good human. Cause you know, yes. you said we're spending a lot of time together, you know, and yeah. I, be I believe line. in that too. Exactly. And there's no point mucking around. My old world was very much around that. I, I look back and think I wasn't enjoying hanging out with some of those people, but I was, didn't know what else to do at the time. And I think a lot of people kind of get into that sometimes. And what about yeah. if, um, I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about affiliate marketing today. What if people want to kind of work with you on that or get some, uh, consultancy or whatever else, uh, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, well, I've had the great privilege of working with over 2,500 companies. I've helped, uh, personally consult 
with or help grow. And we've hired and recruited over 500 affiliate managers in the last five years. So if they do need support there, um, I'm unique in the space probably that I worked with brick and mortar. I know a lot about service agencies, local businesses, regional, national, et cetera. So I can help with that. Um, and that's eastfifthavenue.com, 5th Avenue, fully spelled out. And I always give people my email. If you ever want to email me directly, I will answer. It's amber at eastfifthavenue.com or amber at fourroomsmastermind.com. Same thing. If people want any help, this <laughs> is what I've devoted my life to. You know, it's like building community and helping uh, business owners uh, grow their reach and their revenue with the right partnerships, the right people. And it really is such a gift to be able to do that for a living. Awesome. Yeah. Very valuable as we've talked about today. Well, listen, Amber, um, we'll wrap up there. Great, great fun having a conversation with you again. As I said at the outset, I wanted to have you on the show to talk about this topic. Um, I'm glad that um, no one else before I met you, I kind of jostled in to try and talk about this because I think, you know, the way that you've articulated, <laughs> well, you know, these are, they, they, we get lots of people wanting to come on the show and now it's, it's an invitation only show now. Um, yeah. But I'm very, very glad that we waited to cover this topic in the detail that we have. So, um, yeah, I'm honored. Thank I you. just want to say on behalf of my listeners, thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.